So, we want to talk about amazing love this morning. Are you excited about that? Oh, we are so excited about this. Because to us, in our marriage, our love is becoming more amazing. And you know how that happens? It happens because of the amazing love of our Father in heaven and the love of Jesus Christ reflected to us. Now, we have no trouble imagining that this kind of love is amazing. You know that song, And Can It Be? How can it be that this God could die for me? Is that amazing love? I don't think we, I know we don't appreciate it like we should, but nobody here in this room today would, would argue with me that this love is amazing love. Right? Now, do you think that our marriages can be amazing love marriages? Amen. Thank you. There are some amens there. Because that love that God has for us is meant to be reflected in our love for each other. I want to share with you a, a reference here in the book of Desire of Ages that was quite profound, and I'm sure most of you are many. How many have read the book Desire of Ages? Okay. More than 50%. That's a, that's a beautiful book on the life of Christ. I think that's probably also one of these booths back here. But if you haven't read that, I would strongly, we would strongly encourage you to read that book because for me, that was a turning point in my Christian experience. I'd been a Christian uh, all my life. I mean, my parents raised me, but for the personal connection to get a glimpse and a picture of who Christ was, who God is, just, just so that I could understand it better. That book was very profound in our experience, and as a couple as well. Amen. When we were going through some real struggles, that book was the study that we used together, and it helped to create this oneness, this unbrokenness in our relationship. So we encourage you to read that. Here's a statement found on page 151. In both the Old and the New Testament... So what is that, what's the conclusion of that, that part of the statement? Whole Bible. The whole Bible. In the entire Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, the marriage relation is employed to represent the tender and sacred union that exists between husband and wife and between Christ and his people. So that's what it says. I put the husband and wife here. That, that exists between Christ and his people. So it is the marriage relationship that is to represent what? The relationship between Christ and us. And it, it used two words here to describe what that relationship looks like. Tender and sacred union. Now I just want to pause there. I want you to think about your marriage and if it has that tenderness and that sacredness between your hearts as a husband and wife, because it's this relationship that is to be the number one witness to this world that we live in about that amazing love that God has, because it is, it is being experienced and reflected through the amazing love that God can do between a man and a woman who are very different. Unfortunately, in our own marriage and in many marriages, what ends up happening instead of this deep, tender, 
sacred connection that God wants to have with us being here in our marriage. Unfortunately, what often happens is it's a complacent, you hear that word? Complacent, kind of business as usual, and a taking for granted. Now, is it possible that if that's what's happening in many marriages, and I'm not asking if it's happening, I'm telling you that it's happening, and we've been working in our own marriage for 39 years, and we've worked with hundreds of marriages in the last 30 years, and I'm telling you that in a group like this today, that the vast majority, and this is not an indictment against any of us, it's just a reality, the vast majority of the marriages in this auditorium today are not experiencing the amazing love that God wants us to have. That's, that's just the fact. We're experiencing too often a complacency, not a tender and sacred union that is so tightly knit together, but a business as usual, surviving the day kind of marriage that is taking for granted the love of our life. Because we live in a very busy world. This is not amazing love, but God wants to make our marriages amazing love marriages so that there can be a better connection between other human beings that we come in contact with about the love of God. It's the only relationship on earth that has the privilege that can fully, as fully as a human being can, can actually exemplify what amazing love looks like so people can say, that's a little bit of what God loves us like. I want to love that God. I want to get to know that God. That's what they need to be seeing in our marriages, friends. And we've had all kinds of struggles in our marriage. And those of you that have been here for a long time or been at the retreats, they've been going on for 25 years, you've heard most of our stories pretty vulnerably. But I tell you today that we have more and more amazing love in our marriage because we grow it almost every day intentionally. Amen. What was that word? Intentionally. And you know, it's another call to the relationship with God. That's right. This heart of love. Is he reaching out to us intentionally every day? And pursuing us. He's pursuing us every day. And sometimes it's taking him for granted, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes it's pushed and pressed and we don't feel like it or we don't have time or this is, this is I got to do this now. And if we want to be intentional about our relationship with God, we need to make choices to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if we want to have amazing love in our marriages, which we can have, and we are growing it, then we need to be intentional about making that marriage relationship the most important relationship on earth under Christ. Do you believe it? Can it happen for you? Absolutely, and I hope 
that you want it to happen for you. We, we shouldn't be complacent. We, sh we shouldn't just settle in and think that, okay, we're not doing too bad. We do love each other, and then we get along most of the time. That's not enough. We want to grow that love more and more. And I tell you, the more our love grows for each other, the more burden and passion we have to try to encourage others how great this is. Amen. And, you know, one of the questions I asked my husband recently, which is a very heartfelt question, why is it that so many people are just content where they are in the relationship? Why is it that we are just satisfied with what we've come to, to experience on a day-to-day -day basis that just life is just kind of, you know, we're just rolling it out on a regular blasé, um, nothing changes, there's nothing exciting, there's nothing new, there's nothing. We are too content. And friends, if we are not intentionally growing our love, we are unintentionally seeing it slip. And for many people, and this is where we get the 911 calls, you know, not the, it's a different kind of a 911. 911 marriage crisis. Yes. And we, we were, and we've heard this before. We were with a couple and, and they were on the brink of separation. There was so much pain, hurt, tension, anger, bitterness on both sides of, in the relationship. And the wife is pouring out her heart. She wants to feel love. She wants to believe her husband loves and cares for her. He's tender with her. She's, she's crying out for this. And as we sat and we visited and we talked with them and we looked at him, he said, well, you know, the problem is I just never, ever saw my dad ever, you know, be tender toward my mother. I never saw him take her hand. I never saw him put his arm around her. I never saw him kiss her. I never heard him say sweet things to her. I never, I never, I never. I never had the example. And that is why I am the way I am. And that is why now you are in a crisis. And I sat there and I listened and I... I actually interrupted after listening for a few minutes because it kept going on and on of all the things and all the reasons why he couldn't love his wife to meet her needs. And I said to him, excuse me, I just have one question for you. Before you were married, did you ever take her hand as a girlfriend? Oh yeah, I did. And before you were married, did you ever put your arm around her and let her know that she was special to you? Oh, yeah, I, I did. And, and did you ever tell her how much she meant to you and that you loved her and that she was the most special person in the world? Yeah, I, I did. I said, how could you do that? You never had the example. Because you knew what you had to do in order to get what you wanted. I was sitting back listening to her say this, and I thought, that's God. That's amazing. <laughs> it is because I'm not always that spontaneous in my thoughts. But it, it just, as I was listening to this, and it wasn't the first time, unfortunately, we've heard this. We've heard this, I don't want to say hundreds and hundreds of times, but far more times than we would ever want to hear these, these words spoken. It was not unique to this person. But what it tells us is that we as human beings know what is right to do. Because when we were created in the image of God in the garden, we were put in the knowledge of good doing, right? Of right and righteousness and how to love 
with that amazing love. When sin entered, God never took that part away. Amen. We just now have conflicting uh, struggles in the heart because the evil one has come in and he's introduced counterfeits all about self and self-gratification and self-pleasing and, and selfishness. And unfortunately, our carnal heart responds more to the adversary than to our God. But God can change that. He's the God of miracles. And so in this process, we know what we can do. I said, if you would have treated her like you're treating her now in the marriage before you got married, she she wouldn't have married you. I do not know of one woman who would go through that kind of treatment, never hear the words, I love you, never find any affection, never have any encouraging words, never feel like they were special to you. And, and, and that they're going to say, oh, yeah, that's the guy I want to spend the rest of my life with because it just is not reality. And it's not just on the guy's side. Women, we have a part, too. But the point we're making, and we're going to look at some of these points, we are often kept in bondage from growing this amazing love because of our thought process, our excuses, our rationalizations. Women have their own, too. We're here to... Break those bonds, those chains that bind us, as in the song, And Can It Be? Those chains are broken, right, by that amazing love. God wants to give us his amazing love in our relationship and break those bonds that, that chain us and let that love grow. You know, the exciting thing is, and the encouraging thing to us, is that we, we got an email from, from this lady, this lady who was desperately hurting needing to be loved and having felt as though, and her husband admitted it there in our time together, felt as though it was gone. It was dead. There was nothing left in in his heart and her heart began to die. We got an email from her after we had this opportunity to be together, praise God. And she said, he is like a new man. Amen. He's got his memory back. And it's, my heart is warming again to him. Love is growing. Okay? So maybe there's nobody here today, no couple here today that's on the verge, but there are couples here today who have done some of these things that you, you just let the Spirit speak to your heart because this is where the majority of couples are living life today. Just surviving daily life. Just getting through the day. There is no vision. There is no goal in the marriage. There is no, this is what we're doing this week, honey. Yes, let's do it. It is just getting through the day, dragging ourselves out of bed, or however we want to say it, hitting the floor, going, doing what we have to do, Hopefully getting enough communication that the basic things get done. Coming to the end of the day, exhausted, too many things on the mind, and it starts all over again the next day. This is just surviving daily life. And more than 50% of marriages in this room today are living life like that. Maybe you're not fighting, but you're not growing. You're not intentional. And it's not because I'm thinking of what 50% as I'm looking out here at all of you today, okay? That isn't the point. That's just statistically 
And that's probably a little bit generous, okay? You're just surviving life. The next area is that life has become a ritual and a routine. And when it is not intentionally growing, it is silently slipping. Now, some of you may be fighting. Some of you may be the angst of, of contention. But even under the best circumstances of the routine life, it is quietly slipping. And I had a man call and talk to me. And, and I could tell you these kind of stories all day long. They're heartbreaking. I want to just say this before I share this story. Men, we, I am one, we are generally clueless relationally. We don't do well at decoding things. When our wife says things like, leave me alone, that means, please, don't let me go. Hug me, hold me, <laughs> desire me, reach out to me. But she says, leave me alone. We say, okay, okay. <laughs> this is not, we're not good at this. He said, I did what you asked me to do. Now you're unhappy with me. But that's not what he wanted you to do. What did you want me to do? I wanted you to hold me and tell me you love me. He says, honey, you're like a porcupine. It's like, oh. So, so there's, this is the point. It's both of us, right? It takes two to grow this amazing love. But men are generally... Clueless. And we don't help it out, ladies, by having expectations that we never communicate or, or saying the opposite of what we really want. And sometimes we think, we men, think that because nothing bad is happening, everything is good. Okay, now I'm going to tell you the story that was setting the stage. This is a true story, and it's a sad story. This man called me, and he said, I'm devastated. And he didn't, that, that wasn't his first word, okay? He said, I came home today, and my house was empty. And there was a note on the table from my wife. I can't live this way another day. We're gone. Took the children. Took most of the stuff in the house and left the note on the table. Is that devastating, guys? And he said, I don't know what happened. Now, when he said that, I understood what he meant by that. But I, I questioned him as we opened the conversation. And as he shared with me how he had been treating his wife for the last three years, he had basically been ignoring her grunting answers, short interchanges, just going through the routine of life, but they weren't fighting. I'll tell you why they weren't fighting. Because she was begging early on for his love and attention and didn't get anywhere. In fact, do you know what happens for most of us as guys when, when our wife comes to us and says, honey, please, I need some love. And it's pretty hard for a woman to say that. And we, because we're clueless many times, and we're one-track focus, it's like, not right now. Can, can you wait till I 
Just finish this. And that is the kind of mindset. And then she quits coming. She quits asking. She quits seeking. She quits yearning. And she starts to insulate herself from the pain. And then finally it comes to the place where she can't take it anymore. I'm not saying that there isn't two sides to this, because there is. But now she walks out. And the guy said, I don't know what happened. We weren't fighting. I, I, we didn't have an argument. I don't know what happened. And I took him back through his life because it's not the first man I've had to do this with. And he just unfolded the story and, and, and eventually in tears. And then he began to see, yeah, nothing had changed. It had just gotten worse and worse. And he took her more and more for granted. And they, they, they communicated less and less. And it was easier for them to be in their own corners and easier for them to communicate with other people and easier for them to surf the web, easier for them to be on their devices and just disconnect. And finally, she said, I'm disconnecting. I'm gone. And for a period of time, he didn't even know where she was until she had come to the place where she could communicate with him. This is a very dramatic example, but it's not so far away from some women's minds, like the couple that we just talked about earlier. She was on the verge of leaving this man because he didn't have a role model to help him reach out and, and, and that whole thing. We need to recognize that if we want love to grow, if we want to have amazing love, the kind of love that God wants us to reveal about his love for us, we need to be intentional about it. You're going to hear this over and over. We need to make this a part of our real daily life. Not a routine. It's a re-loving. It's a reigniting of the love and romance in our marriages. And people say, well, I don't know where to begin. Go back to where you were when you were first in love. You know, the Bible says when we lose that love relationship with Christ, he says, go back to your first love. That's his appeal to us in Laodicea. Go back and, and, and experience that first love again. And that's what we need to do in our marriages. Let's not be content where we are. Let's grow that love. And let's focus on the good and, and the, the lovely. You know, the Bible says be not overcome of, with evil, but overcome evil with good. That is such a, a simple recipe. If we would just stir that up in our marriage, we would have amazing love Amen. growing. And it would, you would see little bits and pieces of how that love grows and is revealed every day. Just simply doing good and not evil. So we want to go back to this list and, and honestly see where do we fit into this? We've been through this. This is why we created the list. <laughs> We've had our own, not, not all of them, but, but many of them. So where are you? Just surviving daily life. That's really the overview. We just have a routine that we're in. We have no real active motivation to grow our love from where it is to an amazing love. Intensity is increasing in our lives and we are driven by other people's agendas. We are motivated by what other people are asking us to do and making commitments to, and we are not motivated by making commitments to our marriage in real time. It's simply not a priority right now. That's called 
complacency. And lastly, we have no planning. We have not even sat down and talked about any new ways that we can grow our amazing love. It's just not on our radar. I love the quietness that the Spirit of God makes upon our hearts. Because it tells me that we're all understanding. When we go quiet to that point, this is the quietness of the Spirit working upon us. It's a quietness of deep reflection that's spontaneous in a moment. And if you find that this is where you are in your marriage, you don't have to stay there anymore. Anymore. Do you hear the passion in this? We don't have to stay there. We have chosen not to stay there. We, there is nothing special about us but the love of God. And that's everybody's got that option. Okay? The love of God is motivating us to love each other in an amazing way. And one of the things that we say to each other on a regular basis usually at least once or twice a week, is I never knew, something like this, this is the way I, I say it, I never knew when we got married that love could grow to the place that it is today. We tell our young people, okay, all of our kids are in the 30s now, okay? Got six grandchildren, praise the Lord, it's exciting. We tell our young people, we had no idea love could be like this in your 60s. I used to, when I was younger, look at my folks, and I'm thinking, I wonder what they do in their 60s, you know? I wonder, you know, yeah, they still hold hands, but I wonder if, if that's about it, you know? <laughs> it is amazing, ladies and gentlemen. Is that good news? That's part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know it? You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> yeah, it's not a new gospel either. It's the one. It's the one opportunity that we have to represent the union of Christ to his people. I'm excited about that. Are you excited about that? What's amazing is it can take two people so different with, with, who are very individual, have our own personalities, and very opinionated. And, of course, I'm always right, and, of course, he's always right. To take two people like that... And to bring us and to make us one. And that is the process of marriage. It without is, losing individuality. Without losing individuality. It's, it's not that, you know, we, I become him and I have no mind or thought for myself. Or he has to, to cower to my leading and, and, and the way I see things need to roll out. It's that, that God takes two people so different and blends them into, together to a beautiful one. And that's what this relationship of amazing love is. His love coming into our hearts as we learn our minds, and it makes us one with him. And he's already given us the promise that it can be fulfilled. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart I will give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I'll take away that stony heart out of your Amen. flesh. He's already given us not only the recipe, but all the tools and the promises to accomplish it. The choice is ours. That's the only thing that keeps us where we are right now as we hear today and where we can be 
with God's Spirit working in our hearts. You see why we get excited about this? So we better move on to the three areas we want to talk about. Okay. Well, this, I want to talk about this right here. Okay. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, live joyfully. All together now. Live joyfully. joyfully. Do you love that? Do you know how much children, I got goosebumps going down my neck, chills all the way down the spine. I love that. I can't make that happen. Anyway. Do you know what it's like for children to live in a home where their parents love and live joyfully? It's like sunshine on a cloudy day. That's right. Did you know that? How many people knew that? Raise your hands. Four people. No. Okay. Yes, you know that. It is sunshine to children, but it is sunshine to a husband and wife to live Joyfully. Living joyfully is a choice, friends. Did you know that? Living joyfully is a choice because all we need to do is choose it, desire it, and God will perform it. Amen. It is not us that can make this happen. We cannot say, okay, let's get on a program, baby. Here's what we're going to do. You do this, I do this. You smile when I tell you to smile, I smile when you smile. (laughs) These programs don't work. But God's God's love works. And if we want it, he loves to give it to us. He loves to give us his spirit. He loves to give us a joyful heart. This is all God wants for us is to live joyfully as husband and wife in the strength of Jesus Christ. Is it possible? It is. I know it seems unbelievable sometimes, and sometimes it feels that way, but it doesn't have to stay that way. I I just want to finish the text here because it's, it's live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest. Amen. Because I know husbands love their wives, and we, they, you know, they can tell us, but love is expressed in so many ways. So live joyfully with the wife whom you love. It says that you know, it's, it's how you are as a husband that communicates your love to your wife. Another place in Scripture says, live joyfully with the wife of your youth. That means that you already made a choice who you want to be living with. You need to be honoring that choice. Amen. And that choice is not that you're just, uh, you just, you, you break that only if you're in an adulterous relationship. That choice that you made to live joyfully, that, that you made to choose that woman to live with for the rest of your life, the wife of your youth, you don't want to break that in any way. There are many ways that that can be broken. So you've made that commitment. You honor that commitment. Amen. And you will find joy in your heart because you will find manhood the way God desired it to be. Respectable, honorable, and leading that woman in her heart will trust in you. She will love and reciprocate that love. I remember one day when I was living joyfully with my wife. Some days that I don't live as joyfully. but <laughs> We live joyfully pretty much of the time. And I, I remember saying to her one day, just... I said, honey, you are wonderful. (laughs) 
He, af- he often will say, honey, you're wonderful, but this particular day... You are day, amazing. It, it, anyway. it, had, it had such this passion and intonation that it had to be something else processing his brain for the way it came out. Because, you know, sometimes you say, you're wonderful, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. And that's <laughs> nice to hear. But this day he said, it's like, honey, you are wonderful. It's like, okay, there's something behind that because there's a new tone to that wonderful. And I said to him, I'm so glad you feel that way about me. And then I had the thought... Someday I'm going to remind you how wonderful I am when you might be forgetting. <laughs> and I said, yes, do it, please. I, I want to know if, if you know, something goes wrong. I said, you can feel free. We make these little agreements and they're fun. Not always, but they're fun at the moment. Okay? We make these little agreements. I said, you can tell me that you're wonderful if, I, if it slips my mind at some point. I don't know, it was a week or 10 days later, apparently it slipped my mind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, I wasn't uh, being very wonderful. <laughs> and, and we were kind of headed down one of these situations where it was uh, on a collision course. <laughs> and we, we both knew we were headed that direction. And all of a sudden she said to me, she just stopped and looked at me and she said, I'm wonderful. <laughs> And I looked at her, and I can only imagine, it must have been this glazed look in my eyes. Because it, uh, it didn't fit where we were going. <laughs> and it was just enough to shake me in a moment that I, had, I lost my train of thought, which gave God an opportunity to give me a new train of thought. And I took it. A new heart. A new, a new heart. And I said... You are wonderful. You're right. I totally forgot what I was thinking before, and we never went back to it. And I couldn't tell you if I was on a witness stand with my hand on the Bible what we were talking about, but we, we left that behind, and we went on to, to have joy. <laughs> so we want to talk about three areas that you can do very tangibly, okay? You can do all this other stuff we've been talking about, too. Just go back and listen to it. And the first one is to make a commitment to communicate, to grow your love every day. There's that quietness again. Here's what, here's what our human mind says. Every day. I have to tell you a quick story. We had another couple. We were doing a week of prayer in an institution. I won't tell you where it was. A couple came to us. The man actually came, approached me first. He said, we're in a desperate situation. Our marriage is ready to go. We need help. We ended up meeting together. We talked. They opened up their situation. And it was pretty desperate. And I I said to the man, as we had been together for nearly an hour, I said to him, are you willing to make a commitment? He said, yeah, anything. I'll do anything. I don't want to lose my marriage. I don't want to lose my wife. And I said, you need to make, because now he's giving me permission to tell him, okay? I usually don't like to prescribe to people. I'll suggest things to people. If I catch myself prescribing, I'll say, okay, you don't need to do that. I'm just encouraging you. You can decide if you want to do that. So I said to him, you need, since he's asking, I said to him, you need to make a 30-day commitment to communicate with your wife for a minimum of 30 minutes every day to rebuild your love from where you lost your first love. 
And he said, 30 days? Okay, that was exact, well, that was my rendition of his tone of voice. 30 days, that's a long time. I thought, oh, brother. Wrong I mean, thing my, to my, say, my, right? My brother. How does that make the wife feel? Like, I'm not even important enough for 30 days. I mean, this is why they're in distress, right? And I, and I, I said to him, you own your own business, right? Because, you know, I got to know some of this situation. Yeah. You, you got your degree, right? Yeah. Did you ever feel like giving up on any of that stuff? Oh, yeah, many times. Well, did you give up? No. You have your business, yeah. Ever feel like giving up? Yeah. Did you give up? No. This is your wife. You said you're desperate. And now you say, 30 days! I said, how does that make your wife feel? Well, she told him how that made her feel. How much value do you get out of that, ladies? 30 He said, I am so sorry. I said, I understand. That's the way sometimes we guys are. Clueless. You weren't thinking about hurting your wife when you said that, were you? No. All you were thinking about was yourself. Yeah. Is that too strong? <laughs> it's the truth, isn't it? I am one. We are one. We are human beings that we default to these kind of things. But I tell you, he got it. He got it. And he, he was the impetus, the pivotal point to turn their marriage around. Because he didn't just do it for 30 days. You know why I said 30 days? 21 days, 30 days, you get a new habit, right? They didn't stop. Some people say to us, you're telling me I need to communicate every day? Well, do you think you need to communicate with God every day? Two people do. Of course we do. It, it wasn't hard to communicate every day in, in your pre-marriage. When you're in love and you're in that relationship and you're engaged, you can't wait to find an opportunity to, to get a, a phone call in at least, right? To, to send a text message, to say something, to express some kind right. of communication that is endearing communication. It is not a problem. The problem is us, all of us, husbands and wives on the other side of marriage, we go into now our own self and we want everything coming to us the way we want it coming to us and he wants everything coming to him the way he wants it coming to him and we are not any lo longer looking to serve but we are looking to receive. And the happiest people are those who serve others. Christ was that example of perfect love. And he came here as the servant of servants, right? To demonstrate how love works. And so we need to incorporate this into this daily communication. So we tell couples, and we've done this in our marriage because we've had some low points, and we still come back to it and refresh our, our and, and, and freshen our marriage with it. We look for the positive communication. Begin in that 30 days, 30 minutes a day, not starting to talk about your problems. And ladies, when we talk, when your husband gives you 30 minutes, this is not time to pull out the list and let him know how he's failing in all of the above points and what he's not doing right and what he should be doing and what he's doing wrong. It is the time to begin to nurture that this. That first love again. That first love. This is what I had to learn because when he would talk to me, I started to unload. Honey, how come you don't do this? Or, uh, you know, 
And, and the list could go on. And, and the more I talked, the more intense I became. And the more intense I became, the more, you know, strong I became and sometimes even sarcastic and unkind in how I spoke. And I was trying to dump. We don't need to dump. We can dump on God. He's big enough for it. I started changing that and praying about how I was, because I was shutting the communication down. So I began to tell him what I appreciated about him, what I loved about him, the things that drew me to him. And we need to rekindle those things. Those things need to be in the forefront of our minds, our thoughts, and then they come through our words, our expression, and our aura to our spouse, and they, they experience that love. And love grows. So this is all under number one. This is, this is, we're going to ask you to make a commitment here. It's not an altar call, so just sit in your chairs, just between you and your, and your, your wife or your husband and, and God, okay? But we want to encourage you that 30 days is not a very long time in terms of making your love amazing. Is it? No. Okay, thank you. Okay. So, you decide, but we're encouraging you, because we, we live this in our home by God's grace. Not that we always do it right, but this is, this, so this is, the, this is a subcategory of number one, okay? Is that you need to make a commitment to communicate about things that matter in your marriage every day. We're going to tell you you got to do it for 30 minutes. That's between you two, Okay. But make a commitment to that kind of communication, that level of communication. And then talk about the things that, that brought your love together to, to nurture that beginning of communication. And then look at and bring to the table, this is where you guys can say, okay, before tomorrow, I'm going to be thinking about what I can do to make our love amazing. If you can't think of anything... That's because you're clueless. But God can change that. Ask God. And if you still can't think of anything, ask your wife. She'll give you a lot of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) And wives, when you get the chance, again, just don't unload, but just give him one very nice thing he can do that will make a difference. (laughs) And and we're like babies, aren't we, guys? Just got to be held by the hand and brought along. (laughs) Honestly, guys, your wife doesn't want to have to tell you but she will tell you. If but you try, <laughs> go to God first, because he's the one who can really hit the target. Amen. Because you weren't asking her before you got married, how can I show you my love? <laughs> how, what would you, do you like flowers every day? I mean, maybe some of that came in there, but honestly, you, it's in there. It's in your DNA. It's in the archives. It's, just pull it out. <laughs> God will bring it. He'll resurrect it, okay? And so it's a new life we can experience. And for us as women, we need to kindle that too because our default channel is on the negative. We need to turn off that channel or pull out that channel cord and connect into the channel of heaven and say, how can I, what can I do to show how much I love him and I respect him and I appreciate him? And, and go towards him in this bridging and building this love. 
And then the third subcategory, okay, so don't get this confused. This is all number one. This is communication. It's the commitment. The, the, the third area is if there's, as you develop or redevelop or rebuild your communication, then you have to bring to the table things that you don't talk about anymore. Because you've learned that if we talk about this, get my hand slapped. Or we go down the wrong, or we get upset. We, argue, we fight. We go to our corners. So we don't talk about that anymore. Let God bring those. There were three things in our marriage, and we can't go into all of that right now, but there were three things we couldn't talk about when we were going through these. God was leading us through this. And we, we made this commitment to each other. Okay, because we tried. I tried. Sometimes I would just overpower her with my logic. Oh, yeah. I totally, I would say to him, what, what are we even talking about? <laughs> I, I was so lost in, in his logic and, and his, he has an attorney brain and I've got a real simple brain. And so what happens is when he got on these rules, I, I totally was confused and then I was, I just give up. So we gave up on our communication <laughs> on those three areas and we said, okay, from now on, we made this commitment. This was a commitment we made to each other. We, we have made so many commitments, and we, yes, we failed on them, but God has grown those commitments and grown our love. So he, he, he wants to grow your love. So if there's one area that you can't talk about, don't deal with all of them, one area, we made the commitment that if we come together and we're willing to meet one of these three things that we never talk about again, First thing we do is we give our best sanctified, under the inspiration of God, kind of, this is my plea to you. This is my, this is why I think we can resolve this my way. <laughs> Not selfishness, but this is why I think the way I think. And then she gets her chance to, this is why I think the way I think. And if that can't, if one or the other of us doesn't bring that to, yes, we agree then this is the important step. We don't argue about it. We agreed on that before we talked about item number one. We don't argue about it. If, if you don't like my reason, I don't like yours, and we can't come to, yes, the two shall become one, then for the next, however long it takes, this is our prayer time. This is our study time. We're not going to just stay on what we're reading we're going to go to God and say we need a solution to this because this word has a solution to every problem. Amen. Yes, I, you can't go in here and say, well, should I get it at Walmart or should I get it at Lowe's? That's not what we're talking about, okay? It's got the principles for the solution to every problem. So we made that commitment, and the first time we did it, we went to that commitment, and God honored that commitment. And we went there surrendered, not to get my way, but to get God's way with us. And then the first thing we brought it to, we were both wrong. That was an amazing thing. You may not have that experience, but for us, it was an amazing thing. Because I was sure I was right, and all I had to do was get the text, get the spirit of prophecy, and I would be on target. And God showed me I was completely wrong. Something I gleaned out of my childhood that I thought was inspired. <laughs> that happens in parenting, whatever it is, okay? And we came together, and we found God's answer, and we have never, ever struggled with talking about that area again. So, 
Let God make the difference in your communication. Number two. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without dissimulation. Don't you love that word, dissimulation? Whatever that means. <laughs> I'm going to just give you a real practical definition. It means the pretense or deceitfulness or lying. Don't come with posturing. Don't be dishonest. Don't come misrepresenting your reality. Let love be without all that phoniness and just be real. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's Romans 12, 9. So that often happens when default mode is operating, when self is in control. So be honest, you know, and we, we talk about we need to be honest in the relationship, but that honesty doesn't have to, we can be honest without being hurtful. We can be honest without being aggravated, aggravated inside. We can be honest without being frustrated or hurt. We, we need to be honest in that honesty is so important in the relationship, and that's something I've always appreciated about my husband, is that he's honest. Good or bad, he's honest. And that I know I can count on. And, and there's times that the, his honesty and, and his rightness in that has been where I have needed to make changes and corrections. And there's some of that time where his honesty, he was honestly wrong. But the honesty between us needs to be there. It, it builds that trusting relationship. And that's what creates amazing love is that security. That's why we have that amazing love with God because we have total security. None of us doubt what he can do or will do or is doing in our hearts. So we can have that same thing, that everlasting love in the relationship. Amen. And the third area you want to talk about for growing amazing love is to learn to express love to your spouse in the way that reaches their heart, that ministers to them. And we've talked about this before. Actually, none of these three areas are anything new. There's nothing grand or glorious or insightful about them. They're so basic, we overlook them. They're so common that we, we take them for granted. And we do not do it. And that's why we don't experience amazing right. love. We need to implement these things in our relationship to have that amazing love that he desires us to have. So communicate in your spouse's love language. One of the things that happened early in our marriage that was very misunderstood that started to drive a wedge between us and cause misunderstandings and, and hurt and, and then insecurities and all the other things that snowball after those first emotions get stirred up was that after my husband said, I do, and, and after our honeymoon, he no longer was seeking... I don't think it's intentional, but he, it didn't seem to me that he was really seeking, you know, the, the nurturing part of the relationship that we had prior to marriage. It wasn't a conscious thought. It's not a conscious like, thought. Hey, you're my wife now, so. Yeah, I have you all the time. <laughs> and I remember before we were married, I mean, we would walk and he would take my hand, we'd hold hands, or we'd sit in church and he'd put his arm around me. And I, I just felt so close, so important to him, so much a part of him. After we got married. Well, after we got back and got into the work world. Yeah. When real life sets in, we go to church and he sits there with his arms folded the entire time. Tuning into the sermon. I thought you were listening to the sermon. You can listen to the sermon <laughs> like this. We do it all the time and it's okay. 
You know, we're, we're not, I'm not on a zone with him. It's just, I'm just being close to him. What we didn't realize at the time is my number one love language is touch. So that really ministered to my heart prior to marriage. Always appropriate. Okay, I'm going to put that on there. There's appropriate touch pre-marriage, and then there it grows after marriage, right? Still appropriate, but it yes. grows. <laughs> That's why I said, okay. Amazing love. Amazing. As, as he would just sit there like this, or, you know, not take my hand in the cars or traveling or... All these things, it's like there was no, it didn't seem, and it's not fair to say there was none of it, but because it was so much less than what I was used to, I started getting hurt. Insecure. And I didn't say anything to him because we don't want to have to say, you know, how come you don't do this anymore? And I did finally say some of those things. How come you don't? How come you don't? And I got defensive. Yes. Which is our, our typical reactions. We don't do that prior to marriage. We do that more often after marriage. But I have to tell you now that since he's very aware and, and he can, we can be driving here. We, we spent, I don't know how many hours. 15 hours. And dozens of times during that trip, he'd just reach over and take my hand. And it's, it's not because we're, we're having this, com- this conversation that, oh, I think it'd be nice to hold your hand. Let's talk about our amazing love. It didn't even do that. It, just, it was a thought he had just to take my hand and be close. And that meant something to me. Right? And we don't always have to wait for them to initiate. Because what happened is, is I started doing this, you know, and because it's what I needed. And that's often what happens is we give the other person the love, what the way, we what we want. And he didn't understand that either. And he liked it, but it, it was more me than you initiating. And women like their husbands to pursue them. So figure out what their love language is and pursue them. That's right. So these are simple things, but if you go back and listen to the message, you'll see that there are things all the way through this message that, that we, being intentional with this. You may have some other things that you want to do other than this. These are very basic things, but if you will be intentional, the intentional word means that I'm doing this because it matters to me. It's mattering to us, and, and I, want to. I want this for our marriage. We want you to have amazing love. Our love is growing more amazing every day. Do you want that? Because God wants you to have it. I appreciate the strength of which that was said, and I appreciated hearing mostly male voices saying that. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your amazing love to us. We certainly don't deserve it. We certainly do not respond to your love like we should many times. But, oh, Father, we pray that we will begin to experience this love more deeply in our marriages, no matter how good our marriage is or no matter how much it may be struggling, that we would catch the vision that our love can be more amazing because we let you have more access to us in real time, that we begin our day with you, that we respond to your amazing love, that we respond in a positive way and that we allow you to infuse that love into us and we respond to each one as a married couple, to each other, the one that you've given us to stand by our side, that we are intentional about our response to you that we are intentional about our response to each other.
that when we fail, if we fail, that we will not give up, but we will continue to press on, get up and move forward and let our love become amazing in our marriages so that a little bit of what you have described to us as a representation of your love to us can be revealed in our homes that our children would want to love you because they see the love of mommy and daddy together. That, that our neighbors, that our friends, that some of our fellow church members would see that this, this relationship is amazing because of your love working in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.